Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show all about building and investing in companies, featuring interviews with startup founders, investors, and operators, sharing the best insights into the world of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and this is episode 300. We're doing things a little differently today. I have my best friend, Zach, on for the third time. This is actually the first three-time guest had on the show. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Round three, baby. Round three. No, <laughs> Round no three. better person. This is actually technically four, if you count the one that we messed up yeah on that's true the first one i didn't record so now we are in the same room where we recorded the first the very first episode of the just grind podcast that got deleted because i didn't know how to work the software on the back end end up having eddie barrels then be episode number one but zach is back we're gonna discuss all things the podcast dig into some things with zach as well with what he's done and update with him because there's always more and more things um to start with Zach, what are you most excited about right now with your piano business? And I guess for people who may not have heard you yet, because it's been a while, give us an overview of what your business is right now. Yeah, basically it's a membership site where I teach people piano. So you you know you sign up. There's a free course, and then if you like the free course, there's some paid options where you can get the premium course for you know X dollars a month, depending on what what course you sign up for. And so with that, so we talked. I think the last time on the show, it's been it's probably been at least a year. Uh, but when you first came on, it was definitely the first year. So it's maybe two and a half years ago, more than that at this point. Where's the business at now? Like high level of, if you want to share revenue, if you want to share where the business is at in any way, I need numbers on things or growth or anything. Let me know. Like, where are you at now with things? Yeah. Well, so basically once, um, COVID hit just out of nowhere, just me doing zero extra marketing or anything different. It's just like sales just tripled overnight. Like it was crazy. It was insane. And I, I know a lot of like online course creators have said the same thing because I'm in some like, you know, group chats and stuff. And they're like, yeah, I just woke up and it was like sales were way more. So like that was kind of, you know, lucky. Obviously, it wasn't lucky with COVID and, and like I'm definitely glad things are back open now. But like that definitely kind of motivated me because it's like, oh, I really can make this next level of money. You know, now that COVID's over. And it kind of, it didn't go back down quite to where it was, you know, before COVID because I've been working on it, but it still is like, you know, went down a little bit, but now in my mind, it's like, okay, I can definitely make this level of income if I keep pushing the business. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's insane to think about that because having talked to so many entrepreneurs in the last like year with this COVID stuff and it affects every business differently, you see the highs and lows of that. And some people accelerated growth and it's like, they've never hired you know, they never had a double their team in like a month or two. Like it's a whole other challenge that you go through. Um, for you in that growth, like what were you doing to capitalize on that? Or what were you even thinking of at the time? Like, oh, this is great, obviously, because it's, it's tripling or it's growing so fast. But what were you doing then to even like, capitalize on that or to adjust or make do with what you what's happening because of the insane growth of COVID? Well, yeah. So once basically it happened, I was like, okay, how many like short-term things can I do to quickly like sell as much product as possible because at first we're like oh yeah two weeks and we'll be back out of here you know and then it's like right. oh just another month oh, just another two months you know like slowly built up yeah. so i was like scrambling to like come up with new offers and new you know bundle deals or uh i tried to jeff walker style funnel um and then i started doing like affiliate stuff with other people where like okay you teach a course on that's similar to mine but but different enough where it's like I don't really teach exactly that kind of that style or that genre of piano. So let me send them, you know, some people over to you and see if they're interested in your course. Um, and it's, you know, obviously an affiliate offer kind of thing. Yep. The thing interesting too, I think about what you're doing and obviously having been best friends for so long, like knowing so much about your business and what you've done, 
it's like now that I'm at a venture firm and we're investing in future of work and like future of learning, like you have a company that is, is in that sphere of you're obviously an education company. We're teaching people piano and there's going to be so many more creators teaching and making money off of that. I don't think there's like, like David Perel is a big with his write of patches course where he's, I mean, it's like multi seven figure. I think now at this point, um, teaching people how to write online. There's like build a second brain with Tiago Forte. There's so many of these ones that I see online. And now I just saw, I think it was today, like Nas daily, you know him, him for like the Facebook videos. Have you seen no. him? So he did like a video a day for like, I don't know if it was like 500 ep- episodes in a row or like a thousand. It might've been a thousand. I don't really know. It was a, a while, but a video every day on Facebook for like a minute or two. But now he has his Na- Nas Academy that just raised like $11 million series a, Jeez. which is just like, like it's crazy to see the evolution of a company from it starts with a creator. So it'd be like you, it'd be like you just like doing the same things you're doing now. And then you'd be like, well, I want to expand this to like multiple verticals or I want to expand to whatever. And then you raising VC money to grow the business that way to do it. Like it's insane to think about where this can go. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's also, um, scary a little bit for me just knowing, cause I, I feel like the online course space is something that in the beginning, it was like kind of the wild west of the internet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nobody really knows what they're doing. Like yeah. nobody knows that it's a profitable niche. Yep. And it was something that was back in the day was a lot harder to set up. It's like you, like, there was no like click funnels, you know, oh, or like yeah. a lot of people use nowadays. Like you had to like figure out a CRM and then like you had to like custom build your own landing pages. You had to figure out how to integrate PayPal by like going into the code and like pasting their code. So now it's just like so easy. You just sign up with like one of these click funnels or, or, or any of these, these services, even Entreport, which I use, you know, now they have a, like this robust landing page software. <laughs> you can, you can just plug and play. You can just drag stuff over. So I really do think it's getting, pretty saturated and only going to like get more and more saturated. Um, and then like you said, like once there's actual companies with like VC capital where they're like, Hey, we have like $10 million and we know how to take over a market. Yeah. That's when it starts getting a little bit scary. Like, man, like, yeah, you're like seeing your competition on YouTube. They're just like, where they like got like VC funding and I like, could see the scale they could do it. Then just like overtake the piano nation. And that's just one of their niches. You're like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, there is already like the, the top, like piano teacher niche people online. Like they're an actual company with like a bunch of employees, like, or I'm just like a dude <laughs> with like my, my brother that I pay to help me support. It. And like, there's one other guy that, that is kind of like a piano teacher for my site and he helps yeah. out a lot and that's it. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a small operation, you know? So I also love that though. Cause like the whole, the baby between lifestyle business and VC, like we've talked about it before a lot, but then once I got into venture and I was obviously interviewing, a lot of venture back founders and that was the niche I kind of went with eventually. Um, but the difference between that of like having a very, very good life at like solid revenue that would be already probably put you in like the 1% in America, um, roughly versus, you know, going with this VC route, which obviously is a whole different level of expectations. And like, you know, we look at companies that can go like one or $2 billion, like is what we're hoping for. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's a whole different thing. Like, can you build a course? business and then gets to like a hundred million in revenue. Like, do you, like, how big does it get? And like, it's just, it's fascinating to see, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's the excitement aspect of like, you get VC funding. Okay. Can I push this thing to literally like a hundred million a year or something like that? Whereas like my business, like, to be honest, like if I really push myself and like, you know, maybe started hiring out some employees and something like, I think it's possible to push it to like 
maybe like 10 million a year. I think that would kind of be like my ceiling without really like getting funding and then like hiring a whole whole team of people and getting an office and then also kind of losing my freedom to just kind of like, hey, I just don't feel like working on this for a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's a balance for sure, you know? Has has it changed like what you want for your business? I know it's been like five-ish years now. Um, has it changed what you want from business from when you started to like to now where you've been in this for a while, you've been full-time in it for a while, definitely different revenue number. Like mentally, how has that changed for you? Yeah, it's definitely different. It's definitely from the actual business standpoint. Now it's like I'm focusing very much on quality and not quantity. Whereas at the beginning, like you don't know what you're doing. You're kind of stressed because you feel like you have nothing. You know, you have to build a website. <laughs> you need videos. You need all these landing pages. You know, you're like trying to do everything. And now it's like I'm at the point where it's like more courses, more videos. It's not going to help because I already have so many that I can sell people. So now it's like, okay, I need to make everything like level 10 mm, yep. because people aren't going to see everything anyway. So might as well like get everything to level 10. So it's kind of like all those little things that you kind of gloss over because you're like, let's just get <laughs> something out. It doesn't have to be perfect. Let's just make it good and like quality. Right. And like if I'm missing something, I'll figure it out along the way. Now it's like no, like let's make everything level 10 and like go back and like re-record courses and stuff like that, you know? That's actually something I remember hearing from another course creator who did the same thing. I think it was maybe three years in, they're like, yeah, we need to update everything. <laughs> like there's no <laughs> way we can use those same videos from years and years ago. I think I even saw Ramit Sethi's course or something got updated recently where it was like, yeah, he redid one, I think maybe his like dream job uh, course, but same type of thing. Like you understand that you have to then change it and evolve it and it has to get better. And again, thinking about like this space of, of future of work and kind of what I think about a lot now is like, what are the tools? What are those the software that's being created to help people do that? Because I think the future of work is a lot more people who are independent, people who are doing their own thing like you, um, where you can make, you know, 7,500, whatever K, a year doing your own thing, which is very appealing with the schedule and flexibility um, that people didn't really have before. Cause I'm actually thinking back now, cause you mentioned the, the tools early on for your business. And like when we were using Dreamweaver yeah. <laughs> and, and Weebly and like playing with these little platforms for six pack bot, our first website back Trying in the day. Trying to figure out how to get on that freaking server. <laughs> you remember that? We're just like Googling things like it's not working. Was it Fat Cow or something? <laughs> yeah, it was like Fat Cow. And then there was like, it uploaded like we were using like FileZilla, FileZilla. to upload and I, I yeah. don't even understand what that means. Like, what do you mean <laughs> upload to the server? I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what is a server? You know, <laughs> just so annoying. It's just like this is like took like three days to like just get our website from a computer to the internet. Like I mean, yeah, and this is already uh we're in twenty twenty one recording, so already a decade ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, it must yeah. have been like around twenty eleven. Yeah. Because that's when Social Network came out. <laughs> 2010. <laughs> so I remember Social Network then, uh, then building our own website, which is like to the point I made before. It's just like you see all the tools now that are being built for creators and how much easier it is to start building things and like businesses and even like YouTube like you're doing. Um, nowadays then, how are you looking at, you mentioned like your business, you probably see a ceiling of like maybe 10 million revenue, which you're not at obviously yet, but like, what is the path forward for you? And is it like you still want that freedom so you're not going to hire a bunch of people, but like what does the path on growth look like? Or how do you even think about that for your stuff now? Yeah, mostly it's getting getting that conversion rate higher because if I can get that higher um, and long, lifetime customer value, then it's like ads makes a lot more sense. So if, I don't know, like if anybody's run ads, it's basically like if you're running a small budget, it's a lot easier to be profitable because you can target 
a super niche group of people and you're only hitting them with ads, but the more money you spend, then the more, um, outside your niche, you have to go to find people, which means it's going to be harder to sell them and harder to convert them. And if you spend, you know, even more money, now you're really getting this broad audience. So like you have to make everything convert at like level 10, which means like your whole email chain, all your landing pages, like this is when it's really testing like small things which is a lot harder to do. Whereas before I was kind of just testing the front end, like let's just test the ads and the landing page and that's it, you know, and then run the same funnel to everybody and it'll work up to a point, but you can't scale past a certain point unless you get everything like super dialed in. So that's kind of the next step. Yeah. I mean, that is a whole other set of challenges. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. for sure. <laughs> Where do you, are you still going through a lot of courses to learn things or how do you typically learn different things that you use and you implement in your business? Yeah, I still go through courses. For why, sure. Why that route? I'm just curious. Just over it. It seems to have worked the best for me in the past where like, usually what I do is I take, you know, a certain amount of time where I'm just like going through and now what I've done is like, especially now that I have my phone with YouTube on it and yep. like, I just go to the gym and just listen to a bunch of YouTube videos on the topic. Typically there'll end up being one or two people who really like, you can kind of tell, <laughs> you know what I mean? You can kind of yeah, tell yeah. like, you know. oh, this person is saying exactly like what I need for my business. You know, some people are more for business as beginner stages. You know, some people are full of crap. Some people, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you find a couple of people you're like, yeah. this guy's good. If it's in the internet business, Mitch, usually they have some kind of course or something like that out there. Yeah. And then to me, it's, it's better to just go all in on one person. Once you find somebody who you think has like the answer. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think there are so many ways to learn now, especially with, well, YouTube being one option, obviously, where there's just so many free things out there, which is a lot of quality, but you have to sift through it. But then there's also courses, which you mentioned here, where it's like it's already someone's gone through this. If you find the right course, obviously, they've already done the work for it to organize it in a fashion where it's for learning. Mm -hmm. Do this, then this, then this. And you see their system, which there's an advantage to. And obviously, with then VC dollars going into these uh, course companies or course like creation creators themselves, it is because they can then scale that and that's kind of how it goes from there because uh, it's a system of sorts. But then for you with your business, so that's kind of how you learn. That's how you grow. Outside of that, I know this can be really stressful. How do you manage the stress of running the business? Because like, even though you like, have complete freedom, I know you've at times been stressed about the business and I said where it's like, you're already good. Like how could, people would maybe think like, well, how could you be stressed if you like have this income coming in or whatever, it's kind of automated, but how do you manage that? Yeah, it's, uh, I pretty much just work more, which is <laughs> <laughs> probably not the, the, the greatest uh, strategy on doing it. But like, usually it's, I mean, I do try to take time off. I have a lot of trouble taking time off. I've, I think I've talked to you about that in the past where it's just like, what do I do now? Like watch Netflix, I guess. <laughs> like I just get bored, you know, or like I just start thinking about the business and stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah. Typically like definitely social life type stuff and actually talking to people and getting out there helps because it's like, you're kind of forced to like take some time off. It's like, yeah, you can't be talking about your business cause you're talking to somebody, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. have to actually engage with somebody. Unless you're hanging out with me all the time, which yeah, which then happens. we just talk about business anyway. And I move two you're, blocks, you're horrible two, from two my, blocks away. <laughs> my, my mental health, <laughs> arguably uh, a win and a loss at the same time <laughs> in some ways. But I think it's a good point though. Like, it's hard to turn it off. I think even being in, in this like VC world now and seeing how people there's so much, like I only get a, a taste of it. To be clear, I get like a taste of the inbound 
emails and all that stuff. Like Gail at our firm and Caroline at our firm at Vitalize, like I'm sure they get a ton more messages all the time because like Gail's the partner, Gail's also an, uh, Caroline's also a number another investor, and so like they get a lot of inbound and you're getting cold pitched on Twitter, you're getting cold emails, you're getting all this stuff, and it's hard to turn it off. Like how do you shut it off? Or it's like, oh, if I don't do these emails now, I got to do them tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's gonna be more coming tomorrow. Well, especially because I remember asking you a while ago, I was like, yeah, how do you, especially when you started going daily for the podcast. And I was like, yo, how are you getting so many people? And you're like, mostly people reaching out to me now. You know what I mean? Like mostly it was like referrals, people reaching out to you. I remember just thinking like, that's insane. Like you're literally (laughs) just getting people emailing you like, please, like, like we're at the start. I'm sure you're mostly like just like messaging a bunch of people and like someone, please come on, you know, where it's to the point. It's like. Now you're like, no, sorry. Like I don't have like space to record everybody. Like, cause you can't, you know, you have like limited time and everything. So yeah, I never actually really talked about the daily going daily. I think I've only had like conversations with people on the aside or like afterwards, these little conversations about going daily yeah. and never really dove into it much, but yeah. Uh, what was that like? Where is that like, here we go. Like, yeah. Buckle I mean, up, you know, it was, it was one of those things where like you, you think about something for a long time of like months and months of like, Man, I think it'd be fun to like go daily and just like see where uh, how long could I go? Like how like could I still get great guests and all that. And to that point of what you mentioned, like there was definitely a lot more inbound. So thankfully at that point, so I started going daily August of 2020. And there was a lot of inbound from like PR companies and people pitching that way. So there's definitely that inbound, but you're you're like filtering through inbound to find the best ones, obviously. And then you're proactively reaching out to get great guests that you know, like you want to talk to that have interesting stories, uh, thing that you know, maybe you've heard part of it before in a podcast. You're like, Oh, but I would d- dive into like X, Y, Z things that they didn't go deeper into on the show. Like I always kind of think of that. And then because I was going daily, it was actually in some ways easier because after every single interview, I just asked them for a referral to like more guests mm. because I was like, Oh, Hey, I'm going, this is exactly what happened. I have booked an hour for the interview. I always have a few minutes in the beginning. So for anyone podcasting, there's always like a few minutes of kind of chit chat in the beginning and I'd end like five or 10 minutes early uh, from our time. These were busy people. I know like they have a schedule and so I'd end early and then I would ask them like, Hey, I'm doing this daily. It's kind of crazy. I know, but do you know like one or two other entrepreneurs or VCs who might want to come on the show? And the reason why I did it then is because like they just had a you know, 45 minute conversation with me. Hopefully it went really well or they're like warmed up to me and there's no better time where one, they have the time right there to in theory send an email or they have, are on a, on a high from the conversation where it was so good. They're like, Oh, of course, like this was fantastic. Like why wouldn't I recommend him to someone else and have them come to the show? And so that got me a lot of really good guests where you don't like, the people pitching me on these podcast companies, these like PR companies and stuff, like sometimes it'll just be, you know, someone's trying to do a podcast circuit where they're going to go all different, all different podcasts. But the best guests who are super busy aren't doing that. Mm-hmm. Like you have to reach out. Like they're not like, oh, like promoting themselves that way. Typically, like there's some that are really good that are maybe a different stage in their career. But most of the ones that like, I really want, which like, I'll give an example, like um, Iman Abazid from Incredible Health. It's an amazing company. Pretty sure they're backed by like Andreessen Horowitz and like some of the top VCs in the world. 
like she's not pitching me to come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that was like a referral. I want to say from like a Strassner from zero. It could be someone else, but that was a referral from someone else. And then you asked her to refer me some someone else. And so like, I remember that's how I got people on the show who, yeah, had raised a lot of venture, venture capital who had really cool businesses. Those are referrals. And even some of the VCs too, where I think, um, I think a VC from NEA who came on Vanessa Larco was a referral. And then, Another one from Kleiner Perkins that's coming up, uh, depending on timing on that. I'm going to pause the show for a bit, but depending on that, another one was a referral. And so that almost made it easier because I was doing it daily, just like every single day, just like ask for a referral. And then it had to like get more guests that way. And just multiply the uh, number of guests, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, I can fit you in tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Like there's so many slots available. Whereas like, you do it like once a week or even other, every other week or something. You're like, if I don't get you in soon, you're going to be three months from now. It's just a weird dynamic sometimes to wait for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't love that. (laughs) Yeah, you just want to get it it right away. Well, it's interesting too because um, I was actually listening to a YouTube video recently on this, which was was interesting. And he's like, yeah, for like people looking for like a business advice, right? There's like so many people out there, you know, trying to sell you their course and like they're, you know, these business, almost like celebrity business entrepreneurs, essentially. But they were like, some of the best advice or probably the best advice comes from like people who are just CEOs of these amazing companies. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it's crazy. You would never like hear them talk. Like their interviews on YouTube have like a hundred views, you know, like they never, they're, they're not trying to promote themselves because they're busy working on their company. Yeah. And like, you got the chance to talk to like a lot of those people who are not trying to be like famous entrepreneurs. They're like, no, I'm running this, you know, company that's ironically, so much bigger than any, like <laughs> a lot of these companies that are like, oh yeah, like buy my, buy my course, which is ironic for me to say, cause I, I saw know. online course. No, it's true though. Um, and not, nothing wrong with those people, but I'm saying like, it's crazy. You're getting like people who have like, mo- like hundred million dollar companies yeah, and they're just like talking to you. Like that's pretty insane. Yeah. And even like towards the end, I mean, even more, more recently, like to the point I mentioned of PR companies, some, some are from like podcast company, like podcast I don't know how to describe it. Some are more traditional PR companies and some are more like podcast specific PR companies or like trying to get on people on podcasts. And like some of those ones are not really that good. Or it's like it just, it just not, not good. I say in like terms of like the fit for my show mm-hmm. um, where it's more of a general business person who's like done. Okay. And like now wants to do podcast stuff like, but that's not really that exciting typically like a lot of the ones that have come in, but there has been like been pleasantly surprised by like, I've had people from billion dollar companies like pitch me to come on the show. That's crazy. Like, Which is kind of wild. It's not a huge, like, it's not like I'm getting millions of listeners. Like, like it's obviously a smaller show, but I think the takeaway from that though, every interview, like people have enjoyed the experience of being on it. And so if they ever refer, it's not like, oh, that show wasn't that enjoyable. That was kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Like when I have like Marlon Nichols from uh, Mac Venture Capital, him being after or like afterwards, I remember him saying something like, that was like one of the best interviews I've, I've been a part of. Um, ask questions that people haven't typically asked about. It was fun, like enjoyed it, et cetera. Then me being able to follow up with like a question ever for him is so much easier. Maybe I'll ask him like for something in the future is so much easier than if like that was kind of a shitty experience. And mm-hmm. I think if you have a long-term view of that then, and you know, like when I started three years ago, I didn't know where it was going to progress, but I knew like this is going to be a long-term play. I'm going to start to meet, start to meet people. I'll get better at podcasting and everything. And when I think about the guests, I think it's the same way. It's like a long-term play that, ended up working out where 
gotten a venture. Now some of these people have like gotten investments or they've gotten, um, or we found a co-investors or whatever, which is great. But yeah, some of these guests, it's just kind of insane when I think about like, oh yeah, like this company had just raised like, they've raised like maybe $120 million in venture capital and they're just like pitching me to come on the show. And it's like, yes. And I've had to say no to some of these. We're just like not an exciting company. Or I've like covered that space repeatedly. Like there was literally just, I think yesterday, another company that pitched me to come on the show that had raised like $40 million in venture capital in healthcare-ish space. But I've kind of covered healthcare a number of times with companies that I thought were really cool. I'm just, I was just like not feeling it. Yeah, just burnt out from that same yeah. same types of things. And like, I'm definitely more excited about the stuff we're doing Vitalize with like future work, future of learning. And there's a reason like why we're doing that. We're all on the team really excited about that. So I also, when I think of like, just go grind the show here, like I love those spaces as, as a starting point because I think that impacts people in such such huge ways. Learning, obviously education impacts people and then work, like people, what people do for work. I mean, that's a third of your life is like working typically. <laughs> so, so like it's such a huge part of it. So companies that are doing interesting new things in there are so interesting to me that when I get a picture from that, even if it's like an earlier stage company, like I'm almost more likely to say yes to that because I'm just like, oh, like that sounds more exciting <laughs> than like, oh, your company raised a bunch of money. You're obviously going to be successful. But at the same time, I'm like, that's kind of boring to me. Yeah, yeah. You've... And I realize, yeah, it's a privileged position to be in like now to say that. Yeah. Three years but you in. put the work in to get in that position, you know, where it's like you've interviewed now 300 people. So like, Ooh, it's pretty yeah. crazy. Wait, yeah. when, when did you start it? How many years ago? So I think the first episode aired like June 9th or June 13th or somewhere in there. June, maybe June 9th of 2018. So three years ago, okay. more than three years ago. So when was the point where it felt just like easy. Like I know at the beginning, it's like, oh, the software is not recording. Oh, like the mic's not picking up right. Like it sounds bad. Like when was the point where you're like just dialed in? Yeah, I've had, I mean, the, the thing is like when you start something, especially like a podcast, like I did everything myself at the beginning, all the editing, all the <laughs> fucking up the audio in the beginning. That was all me. So yeah. <laughs> everything, everything, <laughs> everything was like to be to blame. Thankfully, uh, especially with, you know, different jobs and stuff, being able to kind of outsource stuff, outsourcing to McCall. Thanks for adding McCall. Appreciate that. Um, she has been super helpful to have someone else edit so I can just be, you know, focus on the show. And so once I had that, like someone to edit consistently, I've had another editor before too. So shout out to them, but like that makes it so much easier on you then to be like, okay, book the guests, prep for guests, which is still like all that work of like booking guests, prepping for guests. It's still a lot of stuff. But at this point, like, it's easy. Like, I, like, talking to people now that when I, if I were looked back to the beginning, I'd be like, oh, my God, freaking out. Like, not that I'm not freaking out now with some of these guests. Like, on, like, my show or even the other show, Talking Venture, um, at Vitalize Venture Capital. Like, some of those guests, though, before, I would have definitely been like, oh, my God. Like, like prep for, like, even more time just to get, like, the basics out of what I'm going to ask and everything. Whereas now, in terms of executing everything, it's so much easier because I know what to do. Like I know I, at the very, very minimum, it's like a half an hour of prep. And not saying that's the average. The average is probably more like an hour to two hours, depending on the guest. And sometimes I get into it so much where I'm like, I'll listen to like their podcast on the run. And I'm like, oh, that was really good. I'm listening to another podcast of theirs. And like, oh, they didn't talk about this. And like, it's a whole system that like you can dive into if you want. But like, it's crazy. But like, it's gotten to a point probably, definitely when I, it was definitely when I was doing daily when I had help with the show to produce it. That I got in that rhythm and just like boom, 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 
every day, cranking them out. Then you had the, the promotion side of it as well, where the social media posts I had kind of drilled down and then doing it daily from that point in time. So I started in June of 2018 and then went daily of August in 2020 for 113 days in a row. And so, I mean, you're looking at, you know, it's, it's just going to be pretty good at the end of that. Yeah. You're, you're going to be, be pretty locked in. You're going to be like so much better. Have you ever seen The Walking Dead? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like season one, they're all like, oh, what's going to happen? I can't kill the zombies. And then season two, like episode one, it was like, you know, six months later, and just walking and just, <laughs> just shooting zombies. Got him. Drop kicking zombies. <laughs> I feel like you went from like that to that, like went daily, you know, it's just like, boom, like knock them out, baby. I think that's what we've talked about too. Like doing things daily is like, there's an excitement level to doing things daily because there's no excuse. You just like, you have to do it every single day mm-hmm. and you know that like, you're going to get better. It's not a question of like, if you're going to do it, it's a question of what you're going to do. Like right now, as we speak, this is July, we're recording on July 13th. I am on a, so this is. What's today? Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. Now yeah. I'm all confused. <laughs> I'm 37 days into running every day. Nice. So it used to be a thing of like, do I run today or not? My ankle, I mess up in June and January. I mean, it's like, oh, I always have like okay in the morning. It's like, do I run or not? It's always a debate. Do I work out today or not? Always a debate. You know, I was like, you know what? Forget it. Every day, just don't even like question it. You're just working out every day. You're gonna run every day. Now whether that's a short recovery run for you know two miles. Whether it's a long 10, 15 mile run, whatever. Like, it's just every day you run. I was just laughing because two miles is like my normal run. Not, <laughs> not, my, not my recovery run. That's like my normal like get in shape run. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, just a two mile recovery run. No big deal. I didn't want to say four mile recovery run to be an asshole. But <laughs> I'm glad I said keep, two. Keep my self esteem intact. I said two instead. But that like point of like doing something daily, whatever it happens to be. Is something I think about a lot. And you know, obviously with the, the running is one thing, the podcast I did daily to try that out. I want to see how it would go. And even I think about things all the time around like, whether it be Twitter or like doing something daily on Twitter, whether it be outreach, like I think cold outreach on Twitter or email or whatever is like the key to unlocking a whole nother world. Once you start cold outreach to people like mm-hmm. cold DMs, cold, whatever, like that is a, it's kind of like a cheat code in life. Like I have this job in venture capital because of a cold DM through Twitter to Gail at Vitalize. I liked what she was doing. And that unlocked so much <laughs> uh, after that. And that was one little like two sentence thing. Well, what if I didn't send that? What if I just saw her stuff and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And that, and it, that was it. And then that would still be in like a place I wasn't happy with at the time. Wait, did you interview her on the podcast ever? Yeah, that's before what, that? Yeah, so that was the first thing. So actually oh, okay. what, ha- what happened was um, I... Yeah, I always this was going daily. So this is always okay. going back to the daily thing. So I think I started the daily podcast at maybe episode one twenty. I had been later than that, maybe like one thirty or something. And hers was two forty. So I was already like a hundred episodes into going daily, roughly. And I just wanted to have her on the show. I thought it'd be cool. Like there's not as many women in VC. Wanted to highlight that what she was doing. And from that. I ended up interviewing her. went really well. I love what she was doing even more after that. And then like maybe like a week or two after I think it aired, the episode aired, which was maybe a little bit of time after we recorded it, she posted a position about director of uh, marketing community at Vitalize. And I just retweeted it to the, my, my audience. I was just like, all right, this is cool. This is dope. You guys should like 
do this. It's like a good position. <laughs> like, like join. And I remember talking to my friend Sandra and I think it was like maybe like that week or whatever. And just like, wait, this actually sounds really cool. Like I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of considering uh, joining. And at the time I was still going like daily in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, do I want to get into venture or not? And people would probably, a lot of people would probably tell me like, you're interviewing like VCs and venture back founders. Like this is your plan the whole time. I was like, mm, not exactly. Like <laughs> I considered getting into VC. I looked at other positions I wasn't super excited about. Seeing this, I was way more excited about this position and this team and everything with it. And so then I reached out to her and was like, hey, um, I know you had this position. I, I think the first thing I actually said to her was, is this fully remote? I asked her, like, is this like, is this like a fully remote position? Because this is obviously still, this was end of 2020. This is probably at the time, October, November. And she's like, yeah, like, it can be remote. That's, that's fine. And I was like, well, if I could do Just Go Grind podcast still, I would have a chat. <laughs> that's what I said in the email. She's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, here, talk with two people on the team. We're like, perfect. And we got that process going and, you know, basically, oh, yeah, position is yours. And, like, I, I got to join. <laughs> but all from a cold DM. You know what would be funny is what if, you know, when you blast it on your Twitter, like, you guys should do this. <laughs> <laughs> what if somebody applied from that <laughs> and then you decided to apply and then you beat them? <laughs> and they're like, damn it. <laughs> that would be really uh, Yeah, that. I, that's what I was checking on. I was like, well, I don't know if who was in the, you know, who's in the running already for it. Yeah. I, yeah. I obviously tweeted out and like waited like a week or two or something. Like mm-hmm. I didn't right away. I was just, as I was going daily, I was trying to figure out, you know, the monetization of it going daily and, uh, had gotten a sponsor or two, but it wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't like, I, I had just graduated MBA like six months earlier mm-hmm. and this is not MBA level money. I was making podcasting yeah, 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 to yeah. be clear. And so it was getting to a point financially where it was also getting hairy, where it's like, all right, I, if I can ramp up and close a couple of these sponsorship deals, it could be fine. But if I can't, it's kind of a shitty position. So it was like, I was starting to at least entertain the possibility of joining a company somewhere. And I had interest in terms of like roles that I would potentially, you know, like apply for and stuff in VC. It's just, a lot of them honestly just seem like vanilla. I don't know how to explain that, but just like, oh yeah, here's another analyst role or here's another whatever. Like it just didn't seem that fun to me. And this role seemed way more fun with way more autonomy. And I think there's always that entrepreneurship like side of me where I can't like let go of the autonomy of wanting to like, like let me just do things. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. like I will yeah. create things and build things for you, but just let me do it and don't breathe down my neck. And if I have that, I'm like happy. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like you're like most people aren't like that, which is probably why most of the jobs out there are the cookie cutter jobs because like yeah. you will wake up at like 3 a.m. And like I see it on your like Instagram story <laughs> and I just feel like super like <laughs> bad about myself when I'm up at like 630 a.m. And I'm like he's up for three hours already. <laughs> but but you will put in that work and you like that the autonomy where a lot of people don't. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, probably most people out there, they're just like, tell me what to do. And then I get my money and I go home. We're like, you're like, no, like, how can we grow this thing? You know what I mean? Which is a very super valuable thing to have, like, you know? Yeah. And actually think about it, to that point, even with the entrepreneurs listening or people who are you know, venture back founders thinking about growing their team, it's like, what do those people want that are the A players? Like, do they want autonomy? Do they want flexibility? Can they just run with things? Can they run with projects? Are they going to be that go-getter for your company? even if they are maybe entrepreneurial, but they'll do that for your company because they have a high upside plus autonomy and freedom. 
hire them. <laughs> like it's an interesting spot in work where people want that autonomy and freedom. Obviously people, you know, this whole job going to the office thing has been shook because of COVID. And so people are want different things now. And if you pay them accordingly <laughs> and, and give them some freedom and you know, you have a high level understanding of where you're trying to get to, but not sure what all the details are. You can grow your team, I think, and have, you can build a solid group group of people for your team that can help you move everything forward in some capacity. Now, obviously, it's not every role, to be clear. Like, you can't be like, this engineer just went rogue and he's building shit like I have no <laughs> idea. Like, like, come on. Like, we need you to like, reel it in a little bit. But like, but like, especially like the roles I was looking at in terms of uh, more of like a marketing role and stuff, there's way more, obviously, flexibility there to be creative. Um, but even like a biz dev person, like there's so many ways you can add value in terms of like business development. It can be a lot of things for like a startup where you, you don't have to limit yourself necessarily. Now, as you get bigger, you're going to have more specialists. Like just how, kind of what happens with companies and you're this very specific thing or something built, but especially early on, like hire people who can just, they produce a lot of shit. Like I don't know how else to explain it. Like they produce like those people that produce over and over again, even if some of those are misses, it's just over time the accumulation of those of that output is going to move your company forward. And that's what I believe in so strongly, which is like how I look at vitalize and all the things we can do. Like we, this will go live. So it's only gonna be a few days after. So I think about how our angel community we're launching, like there's so many ways we could grow that and build that, that I'm excited about that prospect of like, Hey, we have this thing. I think it's really cool, really impactful. It's going to be different than anything else in the market. And there's like a million different ways that we could promote this thing and grow it. And we could build businesses within this business. Like there's just so many different ways we do it all providing value to vitalize as a fund, as a, or, so like there's so many things of that, that I'm excited about. And thankfully found someone in Gail, the managing partner who understands like, what do you enjoy doing that you're good at that can bring a lot of value to the firm do that. And I think not all bosses are that way. And it's a unique situation to get. And one, going back to one of your points you said before, it's like you get to this position by, it's almost like the, the book, uh, I think Austin Kleon uh, called Show Your Work. It's that showing of your work. Like me having the podcast out there was validation enough for her basically to hire me before I even applied. Like that was already a check. Like they, as soon as I had, like it was started to like, hey, I'm reached out like, hey, I want this position. Like it was pretty much mine. That was, that was it. Because I had shown my work at all this like, 240 episodes of the podcast before that. And then you can look at other fitness stuff I've done and the other companies I had. And it's like those people that if you hire those types of people that have shown output capacity, they can do that for you too. If you give them some space to do that, which is hard to do, I think sometimes, but um, at least in my experience is how you build a really good team. Yeah, no, that makes sense. When I, I think too, it's like, Okay, you put in the work. Like you put in 300 episodes in this in the in the podcast and and I think that's how it works for entrepreneurship. Like you go in doing one thing and then to try I mean you started out doing personal training. Yeah. You know, back in Green Bay and then doing, you know, marketing your business to get in-home clients where where they pay you a lot more to, you know, for the personal touch. Yep. And then that grew into you know, eventually working for your brother and learning like all the ads and Facebook ads and everything. And then that grew into the podcast and everything. And, and I think it's just like, you put your name in the hat that many times, eventually you're going to, you know, win the lottery if you put your yeah. ticket in that many times. So, and that's like, even thinking of that, the thing of like, yeah, having more lottery tickets, it's like, 
that's how I look at business in general of all the things you produce, all the things you put out there on social or whatever. Like you don't have to, obviously there's so many examples of massive companies or very successful people that have zero social media presence. I remember the founder of MailChimp, I think at one time, I don't know if it's still true. I think he had a billion dollar company and he had like less than 500 or something followers <laughs> on Twitter. It's just like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. He's doing like a hundred million in revenue. And he's like, yeah. at, at the time it was like, you know, he's not focusing on Twitter. So like, to that point, like, yes, you, you know, you don't have to, but I also think those can be lottery tickets mm-hmm. where the right person sees it, especially on Twitter. I'm going to harp this again and again, but whether it be Twitter, whether it be an email list, whatever, the right person on there, you might have a small email list that's super targeted on some topic that's relevant for the right person. And you could have someone very influential that could help you in your career, your, your business, your life, whatever from that. But you don't know unless you have, you put that work out there. Mm-hmm. You can't keep it to yourself. Like you could have all the journals that you want in the world. If you don't, no one sees anything <laughs> that's of your work, it doesn't really help them. It doesn't help you, I should say. And so like posting on social media and the marketing stuff is, I've always kind of viewed that as lottery tickets. Like mm-hmm. every interview I've done for my show, for now Talking Venture, the new show we have at Vitalize, like those are all the start of something. It's all like the lottery ticket potentially where it's like, oh yeah, someone saw Austin Arbett interview from Lambda School. And then they maybe reach out to us about being a co-investor and then we invest with them and that company becomes a hundred billion dollar company and our returns the fund five X. Like that's how I look at everything we put out as a potential to do one of those things. So I look at it as yes, you want quality output, but also just consistently putting things out because it helps us. And so I think over my career again and again, that's been the case. Like to the point of you said my brother, but my, my cousin, so working for my cousin, working for him like only came because he saw the work I was doing with just go fitness at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we saw him when we went out to road trip, uh, we stayed with him and that was another time to talk with him about business stuff. And over time then that became a thing where then I joined him and that got me to Vegas, which got me in the business world, which then got me thinking about the NBA, which got the NBA, which started the podcast, which now got me the VCs. Like all those things kind of trickled down from that. They were all kind of like, almost like mini lottery tickets of sorts just from producing though. And like, that's, over and over again, what you have to do. So even like from an entrepreneurship perspective of founders building companies, take the shot. It's like, try, because if you fail this company, like you have another chance again to try something else, or it may be that this company then helps you with whatever it be your next career that you start or like a different, whether it be investing side of things, like all these things kind of play into then you succeeding in one way or another, if mm-hmm. you take more shots, if you don't, yeah, screw it. Yeah, and I think too, like as you're building one company, you learn and you you get ideas, and you're like, oh wait, like there's actually a need in the market in this little like how <laughs> there's probably companies out there that make like millions of dollars doing the most niche things that like people don't even know exist. You know, yeah. like oh we create like the gears <laughs> that they use at like car manufacturing plants. You know, like to for the machines that build the cars. And yep. It's like how would you even know that exists or that there's like a problem because the gears aren't good enough and you can build get better gears unless like you went in and like went in the car business. You know what I mean? But like for every niche, I feel like there's all these little, you know, spaces that you could, there's just no way you could just discover it by like researching it. You have to just go in and do it and then you like figure it out, you know? Yeah. The, the learning by doing part of it is so key. I mean, obviously I'm creating podcasts and content and like trying to educate, but doing that fully knowing that, it's just a way to get people started and to give them some, some tip to like maybe prevent them from doing one or two things wrong or saving some time, or saving some agony, but really you have to still do it. And 
there's no other way to learn. I mean, we, like I said, we've already kind of alluded to this before, but we've, we've tried things over and over again for years before we even started, like before you started your piano business, um, before I started this podcast, there were so many other things that started, failed, quit, whatever. And you just learn and you, you grow from that. And so it's, I say that because I'm thinking of like all the entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who haven't started yet, but maybe are incredibly close to having something that's remarkable, which if you think about, especially, especially in the venture world, things can change pretty quickly. Like I've heard of companies, this is not going to be for everyone, but I've heard of companies who, you know, in a year, they're already at like billionaire valuation, if not more. And yeah, a lot of these people have experience previously. So it's kind of irrelevant that way. You're not going from zero, but you can make a lot of progress in a year. You can make a lot of progress in six months. Um, and depending on what you want, ultimately, whether it be lifestyle business, whether it be venture back company, there's always a lot to think about with that. You can make a lot of progress pretty quickly, but you also don't have like forever. <laughs> so, so it's like people who delay and they're like, oh, then you delay, maybe you have kids, maybe something else happens where you're like, keep delaying it, keep delaying it. And you never get like the benefits from that. Whereas if you would have just tried or started something, even the side small, um, you could have had more benefit from doing it. And that's the thing I see with just the entrepreneurs I've talked to the last three years in this show, it's that they are such go-getters and taking action. A lot of them have failed before. <laughs> like we talk about their, you know, their stories from when they're little to then kind of growing their company now. And it's like, they failed tons of times, many different companies. And yeah, some people have seemed like hit home runs every time, but that's rare. It's incredibly rare. So it's like, you see the progression of them just trying things over and over again. They finally find that thing where it's like, oh, boom, this is a thing. It's like, buy corporate America. I'm here now and I'm building this company and like they end up making it huge. Like it's just taking that step to be able to do it. And then like saying no to the haters. Yeah. <laughs> just putting in the work. <laughs> Almost like you could just go grind perhaps. Just go grind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did you like, okay, this one I'm curious about. Cause yeah. I think podcasting, it's crazy. Like watching you do it and just seeing you literally build an insane network. Yeah. From, like, Literally, like, coming from Wisconsin, obviously, yeah. there's not much venture capital and startups and everything in Wisconsin, like, moving, you know, no. West Coast and, like, not knowing anybody to start with. And, like, within a couple of years, like, building a pretty insane network of, like, yeah. knowing, like, billion-dollar founders and, like, venture firm people and, like, people in so many different niches. Um, going into the podcast, were you thinking a lot about, okay, this is a way to build my network, or were you thinking it just as, like, I'm just want to grow the show, like the podcast itself. Yeah. So in the beginning I knew, so I had started the show. So June of 2018, which was uh, three months, two months before starting my MBA at USC. And I knew that I wanted to have deeper conversations with people. I was already having a lot of those conversations anyways, where if like people in general would talk deep about business, obviously we would talk about it. Travis and I, my cousin would talk about business stuff, but knowing that I'd meet a lot of people in the MBA program I was like, okay, wait a minute. Like what's a good way to, share their stories to have a reason to reach out and the podcast was perfect. So I kind of knew in the beginning that the networking side of it would be way more valuable than anything else. Um, and you know, obviously you have aspirations of like, Oh, it would be great to be huge, like top in the charts, whatever. And like, then you can really make a full-time living off of just like podcast sponsors, but that's a small percentage of people. But I think that's like a moot point because the value you can get, if you leverage it from a networking perspective is, immense like i look at the network i have now it's your point of like coming from wisconsin and like just not knowing anyone on the west coast besides you and like our friend mina at the time and in, in la that was it i think and so having that just from zero 
and building it through podcasting. And yeah, I obviously built a network through the NBA as well, but I knew the podcasting was going to be huge for that. And as it grew more and more, it became very clear. Like you don't get time with people unless it's like a podcast sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, like I thought about so many times when I'd maybe ask people after class, like the guest speaker would come in to class and like no one else could really ask them for time because they're super busy. And it's like, Hey, can we have, can I pick your brain over coffee? That's the worst thing ever to say that. Like, yeah. can I pick your brain? And like, no, they would say no. But I'd just be like, hey, I have a show I created. You can see the guests I've already had on. I've had guests on. So I show that I'm not some random person who's like, doesn't start, doesn't actually finish things. Let's put it that way. People want to see progress. Mm-hmm. And that was easy then to get them on and then, you know, go deeper on a topic. And then obviously they get the validation and value from being able to talk about their thing, which is helpful. But then I, like I always thought of it, I think super strategically, like from early on even, I was like, okay, like how, this is why I want to do a course on this. I don't know if I'm going to actually do it. I want to do a course on this because I think it's so valuable, but understand that podcast is a starting point. So every interaction matters. So even how you email people matters, how you ask for their time, how you schedule. Like, I think I start from the very beginning of me even cold pitching someone. Ideally it's like intro from someone else, but even cold pitching someone, it's like you be super respectful of their time. You give them prep ahead of time. So if you can, like give them questions ahead of time. And they may not want it, but just so they have it. So they already have a good experience going into it. That's like the first thing. So they're already warmed up into getting it. And then once they get to the actual interview, like first few minutes, have any questions, make sure you know logistics, make sure you know everything on the tech side. And like I said, afterwards, like ask for referrals and stuff. But then afterwards, like sending the the materials for the podcast to promote and everything. All of that is around building a solid foundation for just letting me ask them something later on. That's it. <laughs> That's literally it. Mm-hmm. So I think about all of that from a perspective of like, okay, I'm building that and like doing this, all this stuff for that, making it as easy as possible and convenient so that maybe I have one ask after that. And if that next ask or thing goes well, I will get another. And that's how I viewed it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those ones, like I would not ask them right away for referrals in the beginning. I want to build the show more. And I just didn't feel like I had enough relationship with them. Mm-hmm. But I eventually come back to some of those people and be like, hey, looking for a guest or I'd be looking for a particular guest and ask them for a referral it was a much easier lift where I had that one ask I could do. Mm-hmm. And then another thing I did with the show strategically on like kind of knowing I wanted to use it for networking and for building relationships. Cause I think in business, especially just life too, just like relationship, relationships are everything, but understanding that I knew, I think long-term almost everything you could probably attest to that. Like I was thinking long-term, so like, I don't know what this is going to be good for eventually, but knowing people and having like strong relationships with, it's like the power of weak ties that you hear about. Having a lot of those, I know is going to be beneficial in some way for my career and my life moving forward for decades. So let's just try to not fuck it up with anyone. And so like I would do that after and I have, a, I'd have an ask or two. So maybe for a referral, I tried to give then as well. So eventually I started, you know, interview more venture back founders and then VCs as well. And so I'd always be like, Hey, I know a bunch of VCs. I can introduce you to them. Happy to send your stuff to them. I would do that. I had one invest in a company, which is great. Um, someone invested like a couple hundred thousand to a company for the first time. I was like, oh, that's amazing. I made the intro. That's great. Um, and then I thought that could be valuable. And then it'd be like, I'd update them. So when I changed jobs, I'd update everyone on the podcast. Like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm in this role now. You know, maybe it can be helpful for you in some way. Let me know if it can be. Great. So how that culminated in terms of all of that stuff. One, getting the role at Vitalize. That was all through, you know, relationship building and a series of things that got me to that point of being able to ask Gail. Um, and then two, even with like, can't really speak publicly about this. So how can I say it? 
other other ways that at the firm that would be helpful for having people be advisors, for instance, I have two people that agree to be advisors for us um, who work through the podcast. And one of them, uh, so it's Blaine Vest. He is an entrepreneur, sold, sold a company for like $50, $60 million. Uh, he owned most of it, so you can do the math on that. Um, and then another VC, I'd interview him them both before and I'd kept in touch on things. I'd send them deals whenever I could. Like I hear of these founders, oh, you're raising? Let me send this deal to Carl. Let me send it to Blaine, whoever. I would send them deals to build relationships. And so when I asked them, you know, much later to be an advisor for our firm or to be like a reference for us, they were like, yeah, I'd be a reference for, for sure. And there's no questions asked. Bro, I didn't know those people before the podcast. And like Blaine was a cold outreach. Carl I met through doing another show. So Carl Almar from the 13th, met through doing another show. Blaine Vest and Matt through cold outreach. I heard about them. And like, what, how do you go from that cold outreach to like, they're going to be like, recommend, recommend you on. A, yeah. It's just kind of insane. It's all through relationship building. And even him, like I asked him for advice one time about something else. I didn't send him deals. So like all that stuff, it's a very long winded answer <laughs> to your question of around like networking and like how you thought about in the beginning. I thought about it from the beginning and it's evolved into like a very uh, strategic thing now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just insane to me because I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I can't imagine a better way to like scale networking in a, in a sense where it's like, yeah, okay, if you want, because like everybody says it's it's about who you know, right? If you want a good job, it's about who you know. If you want to, you know, grow your business, like there could be somebody who could like 10x it just by getting you in the door. You know, it's like such a valuable thing, and it's like what better way like you it, it's almost like having this like ammunition where it's like you go into like a networking event right or like some business conference or you meet someone randomly like you have this huge advantage of you can say hey would you like to be on my podcast and get an hour-long conversation with somebody you can you can learn about what they do that helps your business and at the same time you get this network this person that you spend an hour with and like you said like Cause I remember I would always read in these business books, like you want mentors, you know, you want people to help you. It's so big. Like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> Hey, yeah. So like, you want to grab lunch? Like it's such an, unless you like really like know the person, it's such yep. like an awkward, like, yeah, let's just get lunch and like talk about business. Yeah. Especially if they're a big CEO of a billion dollar company, like they don't have time for that. Like, no. you know, but a podcast, it's like this medium that just gives you a different way to like, like it's like a excuse almost it's not, not an excuse, but it's like a, a medium that just makes it easy, you know? Yeah. It is such a hack. It's like such a life hack like mm -hmm. to be able to do that because you're at the hour with them, which you get to go much deeper than any other conversation. Cause you know, it's interview style. It's fine. Like you can go deeper in the conversation. It just gets your foot in the door and it gives you a reason to reach out. Like you said, like it gives you that reason to follow up with anyone. Like I can meet anyone. I remember meeting someone at, um, went to Summit, the conference called Summit. Um, and I met Witsa Vanderwerf from Norwegian, but I forget exactly where from, but I met him and I met him at the conference, like day one. I was like, hey, I live downtown. This is downtown. I'll get my stuff and record tomorrow. It's like, okay, cool. I interviewed him like the next day. Like, like that's insane. That's know? insane. I like, get another like hour conversation with someone. Like now I have that relationship. And like, those are all built through podcasting. I think it is the greatest vehicle for networking we've ever had. And I think maybe aside from Twitter, Twitter arguably could be as a starting point as like their cold outreach, but you can't, you can't just do that. It's like easier to have a podcast and ask people to come on. The problem is it's going to get saturated more and more. Mm -hmm. So like it's still novel enough 
mm-hmm. to ask to be in the podcast and do a show and everything. I don't think it always will stay that way. It'll be like, dude, I'm not coming to your podcast. Mm-hmm. I've done a thousand podcast requests, you know, but I still think it's early enough where you can do that. So. And, yeah. And especially too, like, even just from like a learning standpoint, if you're like, okay, I really want to get into like, let's say venture capital. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know how this works. Like you could like read books on it. Like you probably, you could read a couple books, but then you're going to have all these questions. Yeah. You're like, how do I find the answer to this very specific question I have? Yep. Oh, I could just interview 10 people, ask them all the same. You know what I mean? Like, it's pretty insane. Yeah. And the numbers of like, being able to do that. I thought about that so much because it is repeatable in any industry, like literally in anything. And even like how, why I want to do this course so bad. It's just like, it keeps popping in my mind. Cause I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to get into marketing? Okay. Well, it's clear. You can interview marketing professionals or you can interview the founders and be like, Hey, I do marketing. Like, there's so many ways it, it can apply to learn. Like you said, like learn an industry from people who are actually in it and then position yourself as an expert slash knowledgeable person in the industry in not that much time. Like yeah. I don't have a marketing degree. <laughs> I'm running a marketing guy. Like I don't have like, like there's no like formal thing. Like the MBA was a broad kind of general thing, which you know gives you a validation check mark or whatever. But I don't have that, whatever that degree for that. So like, I don't know how you engage things, but all through podcasting to be able to talk to people was beneficial. I think you could even like right now what I'm thinking about is, so I started a newsletter called startup hiring. I may change eventually. Um, it's like maybe 60 people on the time we're talking, but now I'm talking to like recruiters and like heads of talent at startups to contribute to the newsletter. So that one, I get the content for the newsletter from experts who are in it. Cause I'm not an expert at hiring and I'm not an expert at recruiting or anything like that, but I want to learn about recruiting and hiring for our startups that vitalize because that's the like, number one thing is like fundraising. It's like hiring, fundraising, you're doing sales essentially. So those three things, kind of call into what a CEO is going to do. They're going to hire the fire. They're going to basically raise capital and they're going to sell in some ways, like grow the business. Um, and so I looked at that even from a newsletter perspective, using a newsletter to collaborate on, to meet experts, to have a reason to reach out to people. And it could have easily been a podcast for sure. Like I could still do that. I could like, Oh, I might as well just spin out a podcast of this around startup hiring and just put that in a newsletter format. I just didn't want to take off too much, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like that same type of thing could be done like in any industry, that's the thing. Like in almost any industry, you could do that, especially in network-based. Now, some things are maybe harder depending on like what, like being a doctor or something like different, right? Um, but in terms of being an expert and looked at as an expert and having that network in the industry you want, you want to get into, absolutely the best thing, like podcasting, uh, especially interview shows with people who are there. Like it, it, yeah, it gives you such a leg up over having the knowledge, having the network, and having something to show people. Like right now, you're like, show me your network. How would you do, you like, here's my LinkedIn connections, right? Yeah, and that's all like, you know, like there's so many people on LinkedIn who are connected, but like said two words to each other and just yeah. add, you know what I mean? Do you like, know them or not? Yeah. yeah, it's like here's 300 people I've had on the show. Yeah. I've had a deep conversation with, and that's just a starting point. Oh shit, like that's a lot different than anything else. You can't showcase who that network is or who you know. But yeah. people have told me numerous times, like, who cold outreach to me about coming to the show or something. I listened to this episode. I heard about this guest. I saw your guest list. I'm like, it's really impressive, whatever. Like it builds up over time, obviously to get to that point, but then you can like take that with you. So like I plan on being at Vitalize for instance, for, like a very long time. But even if I left Vitalize, I have all that work from the podcast before to showcase to whoever else. Yeah. And like, it's like a nice, like buffer fallback, whatever to be confident in whatever you're doing, to have that. It's like, okay, I can showcase this and like 
tap into that network or ever need it to, which is why I think podcasting is so underutilized today because it's not that hard to start. If you get decent mics like we have now, like decent mics, decent like audio setup, it's fine. And then just hustle your ass off to get the first few people and leverage those people to get the next people and it grows from there. Mm-hmm. Like once you're at 300 episodes in, like <laughs> if I wanted to, like I just say yes to all the outbound, mm-hmm. the inbound. I mean, like yeah. coming to me. I could say yes to all that. I could have guests for like the like, next for like like months, years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like maybe settle for some, but yeah, I could. But like that's all because of that work that put that put in for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just such a great tool for networking. It's kind of insane. But also, yeah, at the beginning, like there's a lot of hurdles that like aren't like crazy challenging, but it's still like getting everything set up. What mics do I get? You know what? How do I upload the audio? Like, yeah. how do I edit the audio? Do I need a intro you know like all that kind of stuff is is also you know something that that comes into it that like you already put in that work where like now like if someone said let's do a podcast you could like snap your fingers and like make it happen like you've done the step so many times yeah and it's like it, with anything right with anything you, you you do once you've done it once it's like so much easier the second time and so i've been a part of I'm trying to think of how many shows now so i just go grind i started startup 2.0 for spark xyz I was a part of the Covenant Labs show, uh, and then also then the Talking Venture. Now it's the fourth show I've been a part of. So I've been a part of four different shows now. Yeah, so you probably you're pretty <laughs> much an expert on the topic, you so, know? Like. Yeah, I understand how to like start shows, and like for instance, like to that point, we're going through building a you know an angel investing community at Vitalize. I've never built an angel investing community before. I've never built a community like how we're building it, and there are so many nuances where it's like. I thought probably thought we could have launched a month ago originally. Yeah. It's been, I've been doing a lot of research and everything too. And sometimes it's been delayed, but I thought probably we thought we could have maybe launched a month ago and we're probably going to launch the week that this, this goes live. Uh, at least, at least privately to our email list. There's so many details you forget about mm-hmm. and like, how do you automate the onboarding as much as possible? We're going for, for example, we're going to go from like an email to our list of a few hundred people that are interested in angel investing to a landing page to an air table form, which then automatically should go to a membership agreement, which then needs to go to Stripe so they can pay in Stripe. And they need to, they be, need to be added into Slack and our Notion page and tagged in ConvertKit and add to ConvertKit if they're not already in ConvertKit. Like all of that stuff in theory could be automated. And you just don't even know what to think about at the beginning when you're like trying to build this thing. And then it's like all the values we post and they're like, what are our values? How are we charge carry out? Like there's so many different things around it. But I guarantee you now, if I want to start a community in something, I already know a bunch about community building and what goes into that and how you think about who the members should be and what do you, like, what do you care about, like how you differentiate it, all these different little things that I've like, researched for the last six months to get to this point. I'm like, okay, at least be at step two the second time. I build yeah. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I may not be like an expert at building communities, but like at least understand what's the onboarding experience, what's the differentiator, all those things the second time. Mm-hmm. And that's true for like pretty much anything I imagine to start. Like if you decide to start, how to start a course business and something completely different, mm-hmm. like you could easily do that. Yeah. I, I think I always say like, I think the second time takes you would probably take like half or even less than half. And then every time you do it after that, you get a little bit better, yeah, like incrementally, but the difference between like the first time you do something, the second is like huge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially like we said before, like starting websites and all that internet stuff that we've, we've done for like, a decade. It's kind of weird to think about playing around with internet stuff for that long. Like, yeah, it has uh, been, I guess, that long. Uh, that is weird to think about. Building like 
businesses and trying to like, yeah, media companies and all that stuff for like a decade. It's kind of insane. I just, yeah, I never really thought how long it's been. It just makes us old, I guess now, like 30, not old, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of, kind of crazy. And like how different media formats now are coming out. So like, obviously not new, but like we've already had these before, but now you have different platforms that are making it easier. So all these different podcasting platforms are available now. Apple's reinvesting now into at least more recently to like upgrade their platform, Spotify, their analytics, same thing. If you look at newsletters, you like Substack, even convert kit, other companies that are doing more things with newsletters. So all these formats, like there's always been writing on the internet. Like there's always been that there's always been like audio, like there's been radio, you know, and there's been TV. We have YouTube now, like all these different formats where there's just, there's more tools for them. Now there's more things you can do with them now. And the barrier to entry is so much lower at this point. So it's like, you have to be more creative with how you, how you use the platforms, but the sky is the limit in these things now, which is coming back full circle. to like the whole idea of future work and stuff. It's like there's there's no limit to what you could do as a creator and then what you could build for those creators. And there's so many different areas to look at. You know, we look at like monetization and audience growth and even like process and automation. How do you how you save them time? Like how do you make it easier for them to land brand deals? Like there's so many different areas of work now where like originally some people are like, Oh, you're like future of work, future of learning, is that too narrow? It's like let me look at, let me show you some of the areas. <laughs> you tell me if that's, these industries are too narrow and it's like, it's so huge. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, with like your experience in the education side of things and like teaching people stuff, it's like so fascinating just to, to see how that's progressed and how it'll continue to progress and what companies will be created there, how people will leverage, for instance, I, you know, obviously alluded to this course thing, but mentioning like how people will leverage podcasting in the future advance their careers like this is a whole different world of what work looks like and what like learning looks like and universities and everything it's gonna just change so much and i'm just excited to be part of it on the venture side to like see all these different companies doing interesting things and then also leveraging and using those same tools to help us build things that otherwise it's like we're investing in those things but then it's also like hey i'm using convertkit for our email stuff i'm using substack for an email thing i'm using you know podcast stuff or tools and whatever for our podcast thing. So we're creators ourselves at the venture firm in terms of what we do, but then we also invest in the startups. And so it's interesting how that progression happens and what's where that's going to go moving forward. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fun because it's like you can be creative. Like there's, there's space to be creative where, you know, once something's like too saturated, it's like, man, everybody's just trying to incrementally, but like, you're this is still at the point where if you find out like oh the podcast for vitalize could like bring in like this many clients or whatever you figure out some kind of formula that that like oh this starts to work really well we can just scale this you know like you could 100x things you know it's it's a lot more like room to grow yeah especially in the vc world thinking about content and community and how that kind of plays a part in you getting access to deals you being able to help people so yeah help your companies out like those things are how we look at every day. I'm thinking about that. Like how do we leverage like content community, all that to find the best co-investors, which get you into better deals potentially and like have startups come to us and want to work with us mm-hmm. and the podcast and everything is a part of that. The content we create is part of that. I think when you look at, when you look at venture from that lens and how content plays a role in that, it makes you rethink of what, you know, where you invest your resources. 
Cause mm-hmm. I get, I mean, you see some of the top firms investing a lot into content and like doing that because then they do get access to that and talking to Austin Arad from, from Lambda school and him saying like, you know, being candid, like he can get into deals because of who he is and a hundred percent that's true. He's built up a huge audience already. He gets to see companies because he's helping them recruit through Lambda school. He's helping them recruit engineers. So he know he knows all the, all the startups who are hiring engineers like crazy. He knows them and he can invest in them. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh shit, that makes total sense. So it's like, how do we do something similar? So even like me starting this like startup hiring newsletter where I'm debated if it should be like a vitalized thing or my thing. I think I told you that earlier, but I mean, I ended up making it my thing, but it's still going to feed vitalize because if we build something around hiring and it's helping founders, mm-hmm. they want to work with us who know us about hiring. And we can also shout them out in the newsletter and help them with hiring. Too. It's just like, you can see how the content plays directly into that. And I think the the craziest part is like, especially when you look at like where things are going for creators and where there's like investors and everyone in the space. It's just that, that ownership side of things. Like you're seeing creators start to take equity in companies. Like instead of them, you know, getting paid for a brand deal, they may like take a piece of that company and be investors in that company. They may be angel investors in a company now where it's before they're like, Oh yeah, that's actually limited upside. But now they have, let's say, imagine like a creator on Substack got like a percentage point in Substack of equity. Mm-hmm. That it could be worth way more than they ever could have gotten paid originally. Like that starts to be really interesting too, where you see that kind of shift and evolution of how people are getting paid and people wanting ownership in the things. And then as the VCs and also investing and seeing that, like it's so cool to like see what could happen and see how we can leverage those tools, take equity in that company. It's a win-win. It, it's just, I, I'm really excited to be in future work, future of learning and to see what, people are doing to make a living and be creative with how they make a living and not be stuck in the same jobs that maybe we once were stuck in. Cause that's not fun mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's definitely better, a better time than ever, you know, and I think it's only going to get easier and easier. So yeah, but. it's, it isn't any easier. I think it's only a matter of time. Um, I know we're going to wrap things up in a second here. So my final question, what should I even ask you? So many, there's so many things we talk all the time. So it's like hard to think of things I haven't already asked. <laughs> I know, right? I don't already know. I guess my, my thing, the last question I'll have, uh, in terms of this interview, at least we can always do that one at some point, even though I might pause the podcast for a while, folks, you won't know if that next episode's already released. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, that was for nothing. We already talked about kind of how, you know, where you're going next with the business and everything, uh, a little bit with that, but looking back, like taking a step back, taking like 10,000 foot view, whatever. Are you happy with where you're at with a business or like what are your thoughts on just the journey you've had already overall? Yeah, I'm definitely overall happy where I'm at. You know, I think, you know, by the time before I was even 30, I was doing what I wanted to do, not having to, you know, work, having the freedom to work when I want, not work when I want. And that was, you know, part being at the right place at the right time, part working hard at it, you know, and, yeah. And so I'm definitely, yeah, for sure happy with where it's at. It feels like now it's just extra and it's more mm. fun when it's just extra. You're not as stressed about like, oh, I need to get this off so I can like pay my bills, blah, blah, blah. And now it's just like, oh, that'd be dope if I made another X amount of money so I could do this with it or, you know, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's more just fun now. Yeah. And you've worked, I mean, you've worked really hard at that too. Like I, I mean, I've obviously seen it how hard you've worked at this stuff for, I mean, for years now. Uh, and when 
I remember early days, you mentioned like putting half your salary towards ads mm-hmm. in the early days. Yeah. <laughs> like living super frugally, super frugal, and putting half your salary towards ads for a business you don't know it's going to work. And you're doing it. It's insane, man. It was honestly more exciting to me than buying anything. Like buying anything with that thousand month. Like, I guess because I just grew up like you know you know my family were very much just like not into fancy things and fancy clothes and everything like that. So yeah. it was it was just more exciting. Like, oh, what if I could like blow up this business as opposed to like, let me get this cool shirt you know with the logo on it or whatever. So yeah, that is the funny thing about just thinking about entrepreneurship and what it can do for you. Um, and how it can just lead to a better life and better things and give you optionality. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously done that for you, which is tremendous to see that. Uh, I'm very proud of, to, yeah, to see what you've done, <laughs> man. And it's just so, it's so cool because we've worked so hard and like to see your friends succeed, just like, yes. Thanks, <laughs> so bro, exciting. you too. Yeah, what about you? Yeah. Your whole journey. Yeah. Happy where, how, how it's gone, happy with, you know, all the decisions and everything? Yeah, I, I think... More recently, so I just moved. Um, so I was in Playa Vista, still in Los Angeles, now in West Hollywood. But having more time to reflect a little bit more because every time you move, it's just like a new start in, in many ways and excitement and everything. And yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me three years ago, I didn't really know anything about venture capital and ended up getting into this this world and this spot. And a couple of things. <laughs> One being... I didn't think I know didn't know anything about venture capital, and if you were to ask me about then, I'd be like, "There's no way I can be happy in a job." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the only the only path would be my own thing. And now, where I'm at, at a venture capital firm, having talked to dozens of venture capitalists and hundreds of people who have raised venture capital, which is even crazy thing about the numbers of people. I love being in this industry, um, in venture capital space overall. I love the team I'm working with because of like what they're doing and what they stand for and everything and the work and autonomy and all that and things they need to do. I enjoy on a daily basis, even though I'm not, you know, an entrepreneur per se. I have side hustles always, so you can make your pick on that, but um, I'm not doing something full time. That's my own in terms of that, but I'm very content and happy because of what we're doing how we're building it and then the upside in the future. Mm-hmm. I think if you feel like you're stuck and there's no ceiling, there is a ceiling, then you're, it's not great. At least for me to see all those things coming together. Like I'm very happy with where I'm at. And there were parts in the journey where I'd say was not happy with, or like not the right fit or be like, man, I just need to like make it <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. and not that I feel like I've made it by any means, but Here's the thing to get candid on. Like, I'm probably making like double what my parents ever made. Yeah. And I'm 30. And like, there's so many blessings I've been fortunate enough to have. They've helped me along the way a lot. But like, you know, you get so like convoluted in this industry of tech and entrepreneurship with people like with the multi million dollar, billion dollar exits and all this stuff. And it can be easy to like get really numb to numbers like that where you're like, Oh yeah, you raised 50 million. Okay, cool. Like, you know, but you're, like, you're, like, you're like, Holy shit. Like how much money? 50 million. <laughs> like, like, 
I think you get numb to it hearing it so much. And I've heard it now because the first time I interviewed someone who like had raised a couple million dollars in venture capital, I was like, holy shit, they raised $4 million in venture capital. Four million. <laughs> I was like, whoa. You're like, one million's a lot. But I know. Four but million? four? <laughs> and like now, like that, seeing that stuff, like I said, it's easy to get kind of like numb to it. But I don't forget the fact of like where I came from, what my parents ever made and like where I'm at now and like probably making double what they ever made. Like, it, and it's like, and I'm 30. It's like, I never forget that. And I'm always really happy and like fortunate to be in that position. So I think about that when you answer, ask that question, I think about that right away. I'm like, yeah, I may not be like multimillionaire or anything like that yet. I say yet. Um, and like, it's not the end all be all by any means, but I'm in a really good position because of the work I put in for so many years where it's been, yeah, ups and downs. And like, yeah, in the NBA, you don't make a salary. And like, you know, you make nothing. And like, mm-hmm. I had a personal trainer job where I didn't make much at all there. And like, you know, I was always about helping people and impacting people. And that mattered a lot to me. And like, that was fine. Like I was very happy when I was a personal trainer, like making $30,000 a year and then making like 30 or 40 and car, car tours. Mm-hmm. And that was great and all. But now I'm in a position where like, yeah, it's way beyond that. And I like where everything is going. So I'm like very happy with where I'm at, but I think I'm still like equally hungry to push for the next thing Mm -hmm. because that's just never going to leave. I think, (laughs) I don't know if it's going to change ever. I think with like family stuff, it could get, uh, could eventually change in terms of getting a family and maybe, you know, things shift a bit, but that drive is still there. I'm content with where I'm at, but the drive is still there to get to the next level. That's what I would say. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, the whole point of having your own business as opposed to working for somebody, like it's mainly you have the freedom to work when you want, you have and the autonomy, you know, you have a lot more upside in terms of your salary and you're doing something that you love to do. But it kind of sounds like you have all of those three things where you're working. So like it's like you have all the things that make entrepreneurship great. And then you can also still work on your side hustles yeah. too. So it's like, you kind of, it seems like, you know, you have kind of the best of both worlds almost right now. Yeah. It's a really good spot to be in. And I think one thing I'll just bring up as well is that even when we talk, so we've talked about a lot, like having full, you know, to go back to four work week, Tim Ferriss, big influence, I think for both of us, thinking about that and having the time to do what you want. It's like, I just want to be able to do what I want. And even if you have your own business, you're still working. It's your own mm-hmm. business, but you're still working, right? Yeah, yeah. Even if you did that and you have a lifestyle business where you don't have to work, you still have time to do something. And the things we're doing with this firm and stuff like we're building, yeah, it's going to help us financially. It's also going to help other people financially. So people who can build companies now, whatever, and also with some new stuff we're going to be doing, it's going to democratize. I, don't know if I kind of hate that word sometimes, but democratize investing for people even more uh, to a higher level. So it's, it has the impact component that I love and the financial upside, which is incentive for sure. And like all of those things where it's like, it's hard for a type A person. You're not going to shut off. Even if I had a business right now that was making enough where I didn't have to work, I'd still want to use my skills and do something mm-hmm. meaningful. So it's like, okay then I have it now. <laughs> so like, it's weird to think about like being in a good spot. And like I, my mom just like texted me today about like, 
uh, yeah, you have an exciting time ahead with what you're doing. It's, you're in a good spot. Like, yeah, thanks for reminding. Um, but I'm still hungry for more. But yeah, I'm content. <laughs> yeah. Zach, thank you for taking the time. Uh, round three with us it was great. And we will now hit up the pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, you can find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Find me on Instagram, JustinGordon8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.